0: Hello everyone and welcome to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com a proud affiliate of the hockey news. I'm your host Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're 2-3-0 on the young season not the best start especially considering they've played five teams that did not make the postseason last year although the Red Wings look like they're, they're pretty destined for that this season but again It's early, and that's the thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are exactly two weeks in to the 2023-24 season. So let's give some reactions about some things we haven't talked too much about. We're going to start with the defense. We're going to follow that up with a little bit of a a lineup switch on the first power play by Mike Sullivan. Talk some Ricardo Raquel and what we've thought of him through the first two weeks. And then we'll get a a vibe from the locker room. Horwath's been in there pretty much all season long. We'll get a vibe for how the locker room feels in our third segment. But let's start it off with the Penguins' defense. The best way I can describe them is mercurial because they're stable until they're not and when they're not they're vastly unstable so you know I'm not a scientist that to my understanding in a a google search before this episode that's what I I believe mercury to be like Uh, but Horwat, when you look at this defense the numbers are fairly impressive actually through five games fourth in the NHL in expected goals percentage 5th in the NHL in expected goals allowed per 60. 8th in the NHL in shots against per game. With the good numbers, do you think that the eye test matches up with that? Or do you think that there's still some issues with this Penguins defense that aren't encapsulated by those stats?
1: I would say, as I'm, as I'm thinking a little bit more about it sitting here, I would say it does kind of match up because... You're going to get those expected goals. You're going to get those from Eric Carlson immediately. It's an immediate bump in that sort of statistic. The offense that he can bring added on to all, to what Latang has already done with the team here, um, yeah, the, the offense is going to be abundance, and it's going to just speak for itself. Um, that three-point game in Detroit, uh, yeah, for Carlson kind of amplified that a little bit as well. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to get that... Uh, sense of offense from this defense and it also really helps that those defensive numbers are on the rise because of eric carlson's linemate in marcus Petterson having a great year defensively uh, ryan graves is still coming into his own and chris letang has done a fairly good job on the defensive side of the puck is were all those numbers just at five on five yes they were all at five on five Sorry. okay because you're good because i was gonna bring up uh chris letang on the penalty kill but that doesn't mean anything to this conversation. Uh, But that (laughs) is another aspect of how he is becoming a more defensive defenseman as well. And Carlson is carrying that load offensively because we know he's not carrying load defensively, although he does look pretty decent on the defensive side of things um, for what it's worth. A couple of good puck plays here and there. Um, And all of this can be added up in just the first two lines that, yeah, this, you know, matches pretty well. I'd say that third line is where that real volatility, uh, it's where it lives. It's where it stays. It's Chad Ruidle not having a good start to the season, and well, what was P.O. Joseph? I thought being fine. Maybe I missed something. I'm um, getting swapped out for the NHL debut of Ryan Shea, who was mm-hmm. okay, fine. You know, welcome to the NHL as a third-line defenseman.
0: He was exactly what you expect Ryan yeah. Shea to be, down to the fact that he got walked by Kasperi Kapanen on a on a rush. But uh, the defense as a whole. I think those numbers are good and they tell part of the story. And part of the story is that the Pittsburgh Penguins' best defense, as we talked about throughout the majority of the offense or the offseason, is going to be keeping the puck in the other team's zone, puck possession, making sure the other team doesn't get as many opportunities. And I think they've done a good job at that. And I think that goes hand in hand with the fact that this is a team that likes to play in the offensive zone, that's done a good job of controlling possession, controlling the opportunities when it comes to qual- or quantity. Quality, that's another story. And some of the stupid mistakes is what's hampering this team. And I think that, while being alarming on one hand, is still something that you look at and say, okay, it's an issue, it's something that's a little scary, but it's something that it's mental. You can coach that out of them. You can try to figure out, hey, can you make the smart play? Because if they make the smart play, that takes away a lot of these mistakes. That gets that alarming meter to go down a little bit more. Because when you look at this team, while they have all those statistics in their favor, they're 23rd in giveaways. And that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed about this defense is getting that first pass out. There's a lot of times, or getting clears even, there's a lot of times where they make a wrong play, they make a wrong decision. It's a turnover, and it's a great a opportunity for the opposition. There were a lot of tap-in goals last week on the road in Detroit and in St. Louis, and part of that is their rush defense, which I thought was due in part to the fact that the offense wasn't getting back, the defense was pinching at the inopportune times, but another part of that was the fact that they give the puck away a little bit too much.
1: Yeah, it's those giveaway numbers aren't ideal, especially when you are... Um, supposed to be this good puck-moving team uh, from the blue line, right? It's supposed to be the Eric Carlson show where he can just dish it wherever, and he has been. He's looked, he's made impossible passes possible. He's had uh, a number of really good, um, you know, a couple of good breakouts, some really good, you know, finding the open areas for passes. Chris Tang's also always been really good at that. Um, but those giveaway numbers, uh, you can't have that, especially whenever if it's a giveaway coming from Carlson or Latang, well, immediately you're most likely down, uh, down a defenseman. Oh, and I meant to say it's if it's a giveaway happening from Graves and Patterson. Sorry, because if they happen to give one away, well, you're stuck with Carlson or Latang playing mm-hmm. defense, which they're good at, but it's not ideal. And also, yeah, again, and- I said this earlier in the season: Carlson's going to make a ton of forwards play defense. Yeah. if Carlson's creating a giveaway uh while he's pinching oh it's you know it's already a scary moment so um the giveaways do need to be lowered especially if Carlson's going to continue playing like that and especially if Latang will maintain his style of game as well
0: I'm glad you mentioned Ryan Graves because that's one player that you know, even before the Penguins signed him, I, w- I was pounded on the table. Hey, you need to bring in Ryan Graves. That's the perfect replacement for Brian Dumlin. That brings it back to like Brian Dumlin of 2015, 2016, 2017. He has not been that so far this season. You know, in the first game, I-, I thought there were a lot of people that were on his case a little bit unjustly. There were a couple mistakes. But again, I, I was saying that part of that is, you know, it's the first time he's playing in game action with, with Chris Tang. And another part of that was that, I- you know, I thought he played pretty decent in that first game. A lot of people disagreed with me, and then going forward, I've just noticed that it's getting worse and worse and worse. Part of it is those giveaways, and here's the thing with Ryan Graves. They paid him a lot of money for a lot of years to be a stabilizing force alongside Chris Letang. When you're giving the puck away, you're completely missing the point of what you were brought here to do. Get sure-handed passes out of the defensive zone and make sure that things are started in the right foot. When it comes to every time the puck touches your stick, you need to be able to trust that you're going to make the right play, that you're going to make the smart play. That hasn't been the case over the last couple of games. Ryan Graves, I'm I'm fairly certain, I'd have to look at it and I will look it up right now, but I'm fairly certain probably leads the team in giveaways at this point because he is really seemingly always done it whenever he has the puck like they, they more so than than most is when I'm noticing it uh with Ryan Graves um but you know I, you're hoping that he starts to turn things around because you can definitely say that he has the physical tools to play in that position to be that top pairing defenseman that stabilizing force for Latang. he just needs to make the easy plays and, and he hasn't been doing that so far this season
1: yeah and that's one of those stats you don't want to lead the team minutes one of those smaller stats you don't notice too much and it doesn't necessarily have um you know an overall effect on the game or on your season it's kind of like the plus minus stat whereas if it is egregious you do have to worry about it Mm -hmm. um i don't know what leading the team in giveaways would look like when it's uh you know if if it's the plus minus thing you win the green jacket what do you win if you're leading the team in giveaways just uh the who throws a lot of interceptions in football I don't know Justin Herbert we had this conversation before the before we started Dak Prescott does Dak Prescott throws a lot um we thought Kirk Cousins threw a lot until last night
0: uh yeah I'm trying to find the giveaway stat here I always forget exactly what website would be good for that and I I I can't find it it's a good natural stat it's not on natural stat trick it's not on uh it's it's not on the Penguins website and not on hockey reference so you know we'll have to look that up and amend that and put it in the comments section afterwards. But I, I was very curious after I brought that up that uh, I, who knows who leads the team in, in, in giveaways, but it feels like it's probably uh, Ryan Graves. But what have you thought of Ryan Graves to start this season? You know,
1: aside from those giveaways uh, he's looked good. I mean, this is a player that, you know, like you described is supposed to immediately step in and be that Brian doing replacement, uh, but also be younger and better. Eh, maybe a little cheaper. I can't remember the Brian Dumont's exact contract.
0: He was um, 4.1. Ooh.
1: All right, well, you know, so be it. <laughs> but, no, he's he's already looked really good. He's, he's looking right at home, honestly. It's tough learning a new system on the fly. It's tough learning a new system whenever uh, Chris Tang is your line mate, but then also sometimes Eric Carlson is your line mate because there is a little bit of shuffling happening in terms of the defensive pairings, and it's getting a little wonky. Uh, but he's playing some time with both the guys. He's still, you know, getting meshed in with everything, and he's just looked pretty good. I think giveaways are bound to happen, but as long as he's able to lower those at the end of the day, I think should be okay. Not totally mad. At it. I thought I've liked his game so far, though.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think he has the tools to play in that position. I think that he just needs to to back it up at this point. And by the way, I did find giveaways. It is on Natural Stat Trick, uh, okay. just under not on ice, but under individual statistics. Ryan Graves does lead the Pittsburgh Penguins at 5-on-5 five five with eight giveaways through five games on the season. Second place is Sidney Crosby with five, and Brian Russ with four is in third place. So eight giveaways for Ryan Graves on the season, leading the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I knew it felt right, but uh, statistically, according to Natural stat Trick, it is right.
1: Yeah, I, I was also trying to flip through the NHL media site, and maybe they'd have it somewhere, but I'm still... Still digging, but at least you found it before I could. Yeah, I mean,
0: regardless, I mean, you look at this defense as a whole, and I think that's kind of a microcosm of it. It's it's the fact that, in general, they're playing decently defensively. But the problem is, whenever they're giving up opportunities, they're giving them up as tap-in goals. They're giving them up, as uh, you saw on Saturday, and Mike Sullivan I, I blew a gasket multiple times. Two-on-ones, three-on-twos, opportunities where they just lose a-, a forward in the defensive zone. They just need to play smarter hockey, and they need to play, you know, just, <laughs> they need to think a little bit more about the defensive zone. Because we knew coming into this season that this is a team that's going to really focus a lot more on the offensive end of things, especially with Eric Carlson coming in and they need to focus a little bit more on making the right play in the defensive zone because a lot of these errors are unforced and you just cannot have that if you expect to be a team that is going to be able to make it to the playoffs and hopefully make, make a run. I mean, that's the point of this entire thing is to make a run in the playoffs and you can't do that when you're turning the puck over in your own zone this many times.
1: Yeah, that's the point of making the run. That's why we brought in Eric Carlson. That's why we found Kyle Tubas. That's why the Penguins are really frustrated with these Frustrated to a a point with these early games, with these early inconsistencies and some of the old habits rearing their ugly head. Yeah, so
0: we'll see how the defense performs, but through two weeks, uh, I think statistically it looks fine in most areas, but you just need to back it up by making the smart plays, and if you do that, combine that with the other things that they've done right, you might have a team that could finish, you know, amongst the tops in defensive hockey, and that's that's something we know Mike Sullivan definitely wants to see, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sullivan was switching some things around at practice on Monday afternoon. We'll talk about what switches and what changes you can expect tonight against the Dallas Stars. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlanski. That's Nick Horwat. Let's talk a little bit about practice yesterday, Horwat. You were there. The Pittsburgh Penguins, while keeping the same forward lines and defense pairs in practice, uh, not switching anything from Saturday, which you could have kind of expected, even though the team didn't show up as a whole, you could... Honestly, expect that Mike Sullivan's not going to make a lineup change after just changing it before the previous game. But he does make one change, and that is to the top power play unit. Brian Russ draws in. Ricard Raquel drops down to the second power play unit, a.k.a. the Mike Sullivan special. He did that so many times last year, flip-flopping those guys on the first power play unit. But trying to ride the hot hand here, Russ has four goals in his first five games of the season. What did you think of this adjustment? And do you think that it's going to help the power play get on track?
1: I do think it will, and I like this adjustment. <clears throat> um, whenever, before we even really dive into it, I saw, you know, a couple people saying that Mike Sullivan said he was going to change things. I, I listened back to that post game press conference. He no, I don't. Unless I am completely missing it, he didn't say anywhere he was going to make changes. He was just really upset with how things went. Um, so I wasn't expecting there to be changes like everyone was. There definitely needed to be some, and this could be a good one. Uh, Because this could be a spark plug for waking up the power play. Because let's be honest here, while the top lines have been, and by the top lines, I mean the regular five-on-five groups, uh, have been fair to start the season, this power play hasn't been good at all. They've only scored in one game. It was two goals for Sidney Crosby against the Capitals. Uh, And other than that, they've had 13 opportunities, and nothing's come of it. Quite a few of them have come without them really taking a shot. Uh, without finding the net, Brian Rust should um, add a threat of shooting. Should definitely add a threat of we're going to put more pucks on net. And what Mike Sullivan really liked and what Brian Rust commented on is that um, that puck retrieval game. Winning the 50-50 battles. Getting pucks around to the future Hall of Famers that he's playing with in this situation. Um, it should be a new look to things and maybe Brian Russ won't be shooting as much, but he should at least, uh, you know, I can't think of the word, but he should implore the other guys to shoot a little more, give them open spaces, force the opposition to get out of position in certain areas. I'm pretty much just quoting Mike Sullivan at this point. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But everything Mike Sullivan said about it, that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to, Force the opposition to make decisions, win those 50-50 puck battles, and then open Mm -hmm. things up for everyone else that he's playing with.
0: Yeah, when you do a scouting report on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, and we'll get to Ricard Raquel, you look at this team and you say, okay, Ricard Raquel hasn't scored a goal. Brian Rust has four goals in five games. You're going to give a little bit more respect to the guy that's riding the hot hand if he's out there on the ice, and that's what opposing teams are going to do. Not to mention the fact that you know when you think about those two players, which one do you think of as the the sniper? It's Brian Rust. So. You know, there's a little bit more respect that goes into that. And of course, you guys mentioned uh, you guys, meaning you and Mike Sullivan both mentioned uh, the puck retrieval aspect, which is huge as well. But for a team that and a power play that we had said before the season could be top 10, could be top five, they're 19th in the NHL two weeks in and it's at 15%. And you mentioned it. They only scored in one of their five games so far. They did score two. But the, the big thing was there was only one other game where I really felt like the power play was dangerous. And I think it was the following game. Uh, no, was it the following game? No, it was the game against the Detroit Red Wings in the first period because they got three opportunities in the first period. They didn't score on any of those opportunities, but they also only played two minutes and 30 seconds of uh, power play time because there were so many penalties called in that first period. There were so many power plays that were shortened in that first period. I thought they looked good there, but you know, Other than that, that game and the Washington game, the other three, they haven't looked good. And when they don't look good, they look horrible. And that's the problem, is you need to be able to find some consistency. And I know Sullivan mentioned that a couple times yesterday, being the key is, you know, you need to find that consistency. It's a long season. You can't just play really well one game and then suck for two. Um, so the Pittsburgh Penguins, that needs to be applied throughout their entire roster, throughout their entire lineup, and in special teams as well. So I like the move. I, I think it's something that you know you can't be stuck in the mud with your decision-making. Um, I, I like the fact that Mike Sullivan has shown five games into the season to want to make changes, so is Kyle Dubas. But at some point, you need to start seeing results. And it's not all about making changes for change's sake. And I understand why he's keeping the, the roster the same way. Uh, when it comes to five-on-five, five, the the forward lines and the defense pairs, because as he mentioned it on, uh, on Monday, you can't just keep making changes. That's not giving your players enough time to gel and figure things out and get back on the right foot because that just keeps them off balance. You need to find that balance. You need to find that stability, and you need to find that through line that you can continue to play with confidence through each and every game.
1: Yeah, it's a matter of being patient with the players, but there are certain areas that you are able to, you know, make these changes. And, I mean, for what it's worth, yeah, the 515 lines, you're not exactly going to shuffle into a blender right away. You're going to give them a little extra time because they play a lot more together. They probably have something that we're just not seeing. Um, and then, but when it comes to the power play, they play way less, you know, play they play way less time together. Um, they are able to... They don't have the same amount of chemistry, so you're able to kind of just toss names out there and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... You already saw that, you know, pretty much this power play has already kind of seen a complete reshuffle, if you really think about it, because the first time they started practicing in a camp, it was uh, Carlson and Latang still sharing a blue line with uh, Malkin, Crosby, and Raquel. As the season got closer, um, pulled uh, Latang off the first unit for Raquel still, but Gensel got in there now, so... Mm-hmm. There's already been a couple of changes with the power play. This is just another one. No, excuse me, to tack on, um, and this one should be should prove to be at least a little more successful. And I know Ricardo Kell led the team in uh, power play goals last year, but they were mostly through uh, those um, tap ins, I believe. And that should be a good use for the second pairing, or for the mm-hmm. second unit. That really should be because I don't know if that lines, re- if that unit's really. You know, getting opportunities because it seems like the first unit is out there for a whole minute, forty-five sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, when they're out there, Crystal Tank's going to try and shoot it, and there's an open opportunity.
0: Yeah, I'm not at all worried really about the second power play unit because if things are going well, your second power play unit doesn't get on the ice. So exactly. you're hoping that your first power play unit, you know, performs and R- Brian Rust will see if that works. But here's the thing. They have so many talented players that you're going to switch players out because there there's not really that much of a drop off. Like, what is the drop off between Raquel and Rust? Practically nothing like it, it is pretty much, you know, same talent level, different skill set. And you have that with Chris Letang, you have that with Riley Smith, you have a lot of options here, so it would be silly to sit there, watch it not work, and then not make the change. So this is the first change that he's made on the power play. He made changes to the forward lineup on Saturday, Um, didn't make them after Saturday's abysmal game, but where are you going to make them? The third line looked good, you're not going to take anybody off the top six, and you're not going to move anybody up from the bottom six, and they don't have any extra forwards. So uh, there's no real lineup changes to make unless they're going to put John Ludwig in, but... You know, Ryan Shea, other than being locked, I thought he was decent. Uh, Chad Ruweedle has played how Chad Ruedel has played throughout most of the season. So you got to give it another shot. I'm interested to see what goes on. But you mentioned Ricard Raquel, and we, we've kind of flippantly mentioned him a couple times throughout this segment. Are you worried at all about Raquel? He gets demoted off the first power play unit. He has only one assist in the first five games so far this season. So are you worried about, you know, Ricard Raquel's performance up to this point of the year?
1: I don't. I don't think I am yet. <clears throat> this is one of those players that you would like to see find a groove uh, mm-hmm. relatively soon, especially considering the amount, of, um, the amount of talk we give him, the amount of praise we give him for being a guy who can play at a successful rate anywhere in the lineup, basically. Um, just not seeing that yet with the second line here. Uh, maybe the chemistry that... Uh, Malkin and Smith definitely still have can eventually start rubbing off and it's those two having such a good partnership so far that makes me confident in the numbers that could still be to come for Ricardo Raquel. Um eventually he'll have to uh you know uh leech some points off of those guys, right? That's kind of the idea that we're getting with Marcus Patterson playing with Chris playing with uh Eric Carlson here. Uh, eventually Marcus Patterson's points will see an ex will see an added boost just because of the, his surroundings mm-hmm. um, I think it's just a matter of time before Raquel sees that same sort of thing with Malkin and Smith so I'm not super worried yet if it doesn't pick up you know, in the next couple of games though then maybe it is time to figure something out and like, I don't know what that figure something out could be but uh, for now I'm not all that worried about it
0: Yeah, I'm not overly concerned with them either. You mentioned, uh, obviously, that line playing with Malkin and Riley Smith, and and the line is entirely different this year. The vibe is entirely different. The goal is entirely different, and the way they get to scoring goals is entirely different this year, because last season, it was very cycle-intensive. It was very, you know, Jason Zucker in front of the net trying to create havoc and then trying to put away, you know, rebound goals. Now it's a lot more rush offense for these guys, and that is because of Riley Smith, but also they're always on the ice with one of Latang or Carlson. You think that player is not going to be involved in the play? And... There's four guys there, only three points to go around whenever they score a goal, and I know that the Malkin line has been extremely good, at least Malkin and Riley Smith have been extremely good so far this year, and it's kind of weird to see, you know, Ricard Raquel sitting there with only one assist on the season, but I think it's because the line is different, you have to play it differently this year than he would have last year with Jason Zucker on that left side, and I think that's going to take some getting used to for Ricard Raquel, and I I think... One way to get him to kind of explode a little bit more offensively, get on the score sheet a little bit more often, is to make that switch with him and Brian Rust. And, you know, the first line hasn't been bad, neither has the second line. The top six has been very good for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the most part this season. But I think we can all agree that Ricard Raquel plays better and has more chemistry with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. He fits better with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. And Brian Rust has shown that he can play. He's not, he's not going to lose a step if he's playing with Malkin and, and Riley Smith. And I also just think that bringing a guy like Rust in there, who's going to go to the net front a little bit more often than a guy like Ricard Raquel, but still has that ability to score off the rush and be potent on the rush, I think that would be good. That's what I'd like to see. I know it might not happen. And listen, the top six has not been bad, so why broke or why change it if it's not broken? But I think that would be something that could get Ricard Raquel going if that becomes a worry for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think they're very worried about it, though. You look at last season, Ricard Raquel had two goals in the first five games, no assists on 19 shots. This year, he has one assist on 15 shots. Last year, he finished with 28 goals and 60 points. If he comes near that again, with a similar start, he hasn't scored a goal, but he has one point versus two last year in the first five games, then you're not as worried. And you know, the one thing that you noticed last year... First game of the season, he had seven shots on goal. Has he had that performance this year? Yes. He had seven shots on goal against the Detroit Red Wings. So you need to see him continuing to take his opportunities when he gets it. That's what I was going to be worried about if I would have looked at his stat sheet and saw that he wasn't taking those opportunities. He wasn't getting shots on goal because of playing with Malkin and playing with Riley Smith, who demand their own shots. But he's still firing pucks on net. So eventually, you have to imagine that he's going to break through. So I'm not very concerned about Ricardo Kell because, one, he's an ultra-talented guy and two, he's still trying to get his opportunities. It doesn't seem like he's shying away because of the chemistry that the other two have on his line. So I think eventually he's going to break through. Does it hurt that he's not on the first power play unit? Yes, because he scored a lot of power play points
1: last year. Mm-hmm.
0: But I do think that his overall performance has been fine and I think eventually the scoring will come.
1: Yeah, it's just a matter of time. <clears throat> I think that line will eventually start benefiting him if they need to move him up, which weird to think that... Um, hey, you need a boost, or you need a... You're not performing well. You're going to the first line. It sounds backwards, but with the player that it is, uh, it makes sense, and that's the kind of chemistry that could work out as well. So I think it's a win-win situation. Maybe not a win-win, but I think it's a pretty solid <laughs> situation for uh, Ricard Raquel. He's, he's got either time to still feed off of his, line, his current line mates or find a promotion somewhere and feed off of his former line mates that he already knows he plays really well with. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah. We'll definitely see it at some point
0: there. There's no way that you go throughout the entire season. You don't see Ricardo Kell get extended time with Crosby's line eventually. But you know, I understand why not changing it right now because Brian rust has four goals in five games. You're really going to move anything with that line. I mean, Crosby has what three goals in five games, but he has a point a game. I'm pretty sure so far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's not like the line isn't performing. Jake Gensel had six points in the first however many games. Um, he didn't score, I b- don't believe, on Saturday. No, he didn't score on Saturday. Uh, neither did Crosby. Um, it was all Malkin, Letang, and then the third line. But mm-hmm. regardless, uh, it's five games into the season. You can't just switch things around because you're two and three, although it's not a good start. You want you expected more, especially with all the changes made in the off season. But... How did that affect the locker room, or what? That's what we're going to ask and discuss a little bit right after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Horwath mentioned uh, a little bit about baseball and football earlier. Who are you rooting for? Uh, We saw the Texas Rangers advance to the World Series. We see, I believe, Game 7 coming up later tonight between Mm -hmm. the Phillies and Diamondbacks. Who do you want to see? Because neither of us are are baseball experts, so I'm not going to give a prediction. You can. I have no idea. But who do you want to see to win the World Series?
1: Oh, to win? I don't know who I want to see win, uh, just because... I like that Texas is in already. I like their – I've always liked the Rangers. I like that. I like this team that they have now especially. Um, I mean, also consider the fact they had 102 losses two seasons ago. Uh, a certain team that wears black and gold should take some notes and figure out some sort of path to a World Series because it's very possible to do it. Nope. Um, but mm, they refuse. Not for the Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> It does, it's not that hard, though. I mean, not, it, it is hard to reach, world, reach the World Series, but it's not that hard to yeah. attempt to try and do that. Uh, that being said, on the National League side, though, honestly, I'm fine with either the Diamondbacks or the, um, the Phillies making it. The only reason why I say the Phillies is because I, that lineup is so good, and I enjoy watching them play baseball, That especially batting. Kyle Schwarber is <laughs> the greatest stat line I've ever seen from this past regular season. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Bryce Harper's a ton of fun, and just the Diamondbacks. I like seeing the small te- smaller teams make it, so mm-hmm. that would just be their story for them. I don't know anything about the team otherwise. Uh, so, so for the Astros are out. The anyone else in the NL East, North, whichever one the Pirates are in, I don't even remember, didn't make it. So, I'm happy with whatever the turnout is. Damn it, the yeah. city of Philadelphia though.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Philadelphia sports, but. If it's not the Flyers, do I really care? Not really. Right? As long as the Flyers, who have been very good to start the season, Yeah, as long as the Flyers don't go on a run, I really don't care about the 76ers. I really don't care. Honestly, Jason Kelsey is making me like the Philadelphia Eagles because Jason Kelsey is a man of the people. He said on his podcast last week that he loves dipping dots, and now my wife is just, you know, in, in love with the man. But I want to see the Phillies win. You know, I I did not want to see the Astros win. I'm tired of seeing the Astros in the World Series, winning the World Series, whatever, because they used to be in the Pirates division, and they always sucked. And now it makes me feel like, how did you turn it around? Like, how did you turn it around? They used to wear this color, the Astros. That was
1: so much more fun, though. Like, I enjoyed that Astros team. Because they sucked. (laughs) Even before then, the Jeff Bagwell, Greg Biggio era. That's true. But I do want to see,
0: uh, I do want to see the Philadelphia Phillies win the World Series. That's who I'm, I'm rooting for, just simply because that atmosphere, crazy. Bryce Harper, I've always, I've always enjoyed watching Bryce Harper, and also they have a, a win song. Like, didn't everybody root for the St. Louis Blues because of Gloria in 2019? Yeah, I want to see the Philadelphia Phillies parting to that song for about three weeks after they win the World Series in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, the that, Pirates least, have one too. So. It's just
1: 20 years old at this point, and we don't hear it enough.
0: Not a win song that gets played. A win song that's adopted by the players, not picked by the management, like the Pirates. Created by
1: uh, whatever marketing team they had. And that song, seriously, we're in 2023. That song might actually be 20 years old now. It could possibly be. But let's get back to hockey because a lot of people either
0: tuned out or are screaming at their screens to say, we don't care about baseball. But we're also 30 minutes into a podcast and uh, it's our show, so we can do what we want. But uh, the Penguins got a rocky start Two of the season two, three, and zero against all non-playoff teams from last year. But like I mentioned earlier, Detroit Red Wings looking pretty dang good. Uh, last I checked, they were five and one or six and one on the season. They're just absolutely, uh, going on a run to start the year. I want to ask you this for cause I mentioned you- you've been in the locker room. You were there yesterday. What's the vibe in the locker room? Uh, especially after practice yesterday.
1: Uh, you know, pretty normal. I would say there was definitely a, there's definitely a bit more of a stern, like, okay, we need to buckle in. We need to really get into things. Um, <clears throat> one, I, I do not really notice too much else. One thing I did pick up on is, you know, there's the normal, there are the normal players that are in and out of the, of the locker before media even shows up. That is Jeff Carter of Genny Malkin, sometimes Chris Letang. They are just in and out. They don't speak with the media that often. Sidney um, Crosby was one of those players the other day, or yesterday, though. Normally we're waiting for him. I told you the story about how um, uh, a lot of the media was literally standing around waiting to talk to Sid while he was just with two uh, equipment managers, just pointing and staring at a skate blade that I I thought had nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't want to give too much he, he, else he, out. Uh, but that being he, said,
0: he, he had some skate issues on Saturday, so I don't maybe know. he's
1: on to something. Um, that being said, though, uh, I think the mood is definitely just. Get the one and we can be back to normal. Get the one win. Mm-hmm. Get the one good game under our belt and things can go back to the liveliness. We can bring back the liveliness. I mean, there's still obviously mm-hmm. some chipper chipper faces. Not having Jason Zucker around kind of really doesn't dull the mood. But uh, that was one thing about last season is that even whenever they weren't doing well, uh, Jason Zucker's presence always kept things lively. Um, and there's still plenty of guys like that this time around. It's just not as vocal or obvious, and a lot of guys are still getting used to each other. It is still yeah. October with a very new team. Yeah, um, I would say give it a little time and everything will be back to normal in the locker room, but also um, there is a seriousness. They're all preaching patience. Yes, they all want to just say, hey, it's still early. We know what we can do. We all know we can be better, um, but we got to get there first. Let let them get that one win under a belt. It was, like, mm-hmm. it was like a goal from Riley Smith. Once they get the one, here comes the avalanche. Yeah, and you know, uh, everyone saw Mike Sullivan pretty angry and upset, and in, in St. Louis, uh, Mike Sullivan's been pretty cheery this year. <laughs> you know, he's he's cracking jokes before the start of the press conference with the media, and it's kind of fun. He didn't do that on Tuesday on Monday, but um, again, I think it is just the sense of we know the position we're in no one is happy with the position we're in, but we are confident we're going to get there. So I'd say the mood is just kind of, it's confidence. It is more, Mm -hmm. is a lot of focus, you know, I'd Mm -hmm. say that's kind of where it feels. Yeah, it's interesting
0: because uh, I feel like the fan base is in the opposite corner uh, because, you know, there was so much hope, so much that changed that, you know, everybody had this breath of fresh air coming into the season and to start two and three against five teams that, again, didn't make the playoffs last year. What this year they become is a different story. It kind of took the air out of the balloon a little bit and they need to replace it. Right. Because the deflated feeling in the fan base, although not something you're seeing in the locker room from what it sounds like is something that, you're hoping the Pittsburgh Penguins with a four-game homestand get the perfect opportunity to do here. The first two weeks of the season, they played five games. There were a lot of extended breaks. There were a lot of multi-day breaks during those first two weeks of the season. Now they get to just come home, play hockey, and be home, and just figure things out before they go on their first true road trip of the season. And maybe that road trip sparks something. Maybe that road trip brings them together in a certain way. I know the last couple of years, the Western Conference or the— California road trip hasn't been too kind to the Pittsburgh Penguins but that's coming up in about a week and a half they have four games at home now every other day they play so hopefully they can start to get their feet underneath them a little bit start to get into a groove because the NHL schedule has been very very awkward to start the year you have not a lot of games in the first two weeks a week where you play so much, and then they're going to have a four-day break next week. They're not going to play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and then they'll play Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks on the road. I believe that that's that's right in my head, but that's the calendar going forward. But to be able to go and play at home, every other day for the next week is going to be very important for this team. And you mentioned that they're preaching patience. They're still confident. They should still be confident. Mm-hmm. It's only been five games into the season. You can't lose that confidence that early, especially if you're a professional athlete. You just you can't lose your confidence on a whim like that. How different is it from last year? I know you mentioned Jason Zucker, but is there any other you know difference in the feel from, from this year to last year?
1: No, not yet. I think it's still very much a vibrant group still very much uh just we're still learning each other still getting still feeling each other out but they've had plenty of um team bonding experiences you know they had that whole thing in nova scotia they already had their halloween party so they're all kind of getting to know each other off the ice still and becoming good friends um i think it's just a matter of time before that confidence turns into success and um things get livelier i think there hasn't been anything wrong yet and comparative to last season the weird thing about last year is that even during those stretches of um losses or that stretch down the end of the season um it was there was definitely that sense of we need to be better but it also never felt like even toward the end it never felt like there was a bad room you know so that's kind of the confidence there and uh this season yeah it's not like it's a bad room it's just still learning each other and it'll all get there eventually soon enough too Mm -hmm. it's um, they're all professional athletes. They know what it takes to win, and they're a hungry group. I think that's another part of it. So how hungry they all are. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Graves told me that whenever he got here, it was you can. He was able to feel it whenever he walked in that they that losing isn't an option here. So mm-hmm. I think they're all kind of taking that seriously, and these early losses aren't helping things. So they're just looking to find the wins and get back on track.
0: Yeah, and they're going to have to get back on track against some really good opponents. Tonight, they take on my Stanley Cup prediction uh, in the Dallas Stars. I predicted them before the season to win the Stanley Cup, to win it all. They've looked pretty good to start. They're going to take on the Penguins tonight at 7.30, almost at 9.30. Uh, Not to that late of a start time yet, but 7.30 p.m. start for the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Dallas Stars. As part of the first night this season where all 32 teams are playing, I just saw the tweet by uh, Josh Getzoff. You got... Frozen Frenzy, the NHL's version of, of Red Zone, I'm intrigued. We'll see how but it goes. Also, but also, it's what? It's Butcher Gross on ESPN.
1: Yeah. So I'm a little,
0: uh, little less intrigued because ESPN has kind of crapped all over the product in the first couple of weeks of the season so far, and they're covered. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But they have the stars tonight. And then they have your Western Conference champion prediction, the Colorado Avalanche, coming to town on Thursday. They also look uh, just as good as advertised. What do the Penguins have to do really quickly before the end of the show? Let's just talk real- about these two matchups. What do they got to do to get back on the right side of things against these two teams that are seemingly the best two teams they've played so far this season?
1: This Taking a couple of wins here could be huge in confidence building and boosting The morale around just the momentum you're carrying. Uh, It's a couple of cup contenders, even without our predictions. I mean, everyone thinks the Dallas Stars is that that sleeper pick for a a legitimate Stanley Cup run. And the Avalanche look really damn good and hungry to get back to where they were. Um, What the Penguins need to do, I don't know. (laughs) That's the hard thing about a team stumbling around like the penguins, not that they're a bad group, but they're stumbling a little bit going up against monsters right now. You know, it's like, what do they have to do? I don't know. Play better. <laughs> it's hard to really come with an answer. Well, they need to put things together at the right time. And you know, if it is any consolation, one sneaky thing about the penguins last year is that they somehow played well. I know they didn't end up winning a lot of these games, but played well against teams that were far superior than them mm-hmm. played pretty well against the Bruins they the Carolina Hurricanes thing we could talk about until the dogs come home, but they were within one goal in each of those games. That's at least keeping up, and that was one of the points of last year's. They can keep up. That's great. Now they got to get over the hump. Um, here's a couple of teams here where that if they can prove to keep up, they maybe they can push push themselves over the hump. Um, mm-hmm. and if you want to really pick out one thing that the Penguins need to do better to beat these guys, play a whole second period yeah start there play a whole 60 obviously but show up in that middle frame um and don't pull yourself out of it because that's an important period when it comes to momentum because Mm -hmm. malkin is going to probably have a good early first period again you know he did it in in detroit scoring the first minute did it in st louis scoring in the last minute those are those momentum goals right so let's say malkin is able to or anyone on the team is able to help produce in the first period again don't lose all that momentum in the second because then you're playing from behind in the third. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of keeping consistent. Play the full 60 obviously, but really put it together in the second period. So it's an important second period tonight, everybody.
0: Yeah. Especially against these two teams, I think that's a, that's one of the biggest things. You cannot play from behind against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, against a team like the Dallas Stars. You need to be out in front of them and force them to push the issue, especially the Dallas Stars. They're so good defensively, and Jake Ottinger is so good, if that's indeed who they see tonight, that you cannot be playing from behind trying to catch up with this guy because you know they've done it the past two games, and while they almost came back against the, the Detroit Red Wings, Huso. Close the door. I mean, he didn't close it quickly. He didn't slam the door on them, but, you know, he gently closed the door on the Pittsburgh Penguins last Wednesday evening. So you can't play from behind these guys. And the other thing we mentioned in the first segment, limit the turnovers. You turned the puck over way too many times against a team in St. Louis that's not going to be good this year. They're not going to be good. You turned the puck over too many times to them. You gave them too many opportunities, and they cashed in on a lot of them. If you do that to Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, uh, I'm trying to think of Dallas Stars off the top of my head, but it kind of left me. Jason Robertson, Rupe Hints. if you do it to these guys, they're going to score every time. I know the Blues scored a good bit of times, but these guys, if you're going to give them those opportunities time and time again, you might as well not even show up. So you need to make sure that you're playing smart with the puck. That's defense, that's forwards, that's goaltenders, because Tristan Jari playing the puck this year has been a little bit, uh, little bit scary, <laughs> but... You just need to play within yourself and make the smart decisions. Don't try to play hero puck. Don't try to be, you know, the guy every single time you're out there on the ice. Go out there and play as part of a team because this is a team that constructed, if they play within themselves, they're going to play good hockey. So you can't overexert yourself. You can't try to make the the fantastic play every single time you're on the ice. Don't turn the puck over and try not to play from behind because if you play from behind these teams – are going to wipe you out. So those are those are my keys the next two nights. Uh not two nights, next three nights against tonight, the Dallas Stars against the Colorado Avalanche coming up on Thursday. It's gonna be a fun watch. It's always fun to watch these teams. It's always fun to watch the Pittsburgh Penguins with the stars that they have go up against the stars on the other side. But um but we'll see how they're able to perform against these teams because they haven't performed well throughout most of the season. Uh, let's see if they can put together a solid 60 minutes or at least, you know, solid second period like you mentioned. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode, but make sure in the meantime to catch episodes of Iceberg to Go every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And of course, our Iceberg recaps ever after every single game, whether that be live on YouTube at Inside the Penguins directly after the game or the next morning anywhere you get your podcast from, and also still on the YouTube. We'll, we'll always tweet out on Tip of the Iceberg, whether it's coming that night or the following day. Uh, it all depends on scheduling. But that is it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.